we are in our journey through Genesis, and we've entitled it Uncovering the God of Our Ancestors. If you are here with us two weeks, uh, two weeks ago for our introduction uh, of the series, or you've been following the homework, then you'll know we're studying Genesis because the Bible very clearly tells us that what is written in God's Word is there to make us wise and help us make good choices. Um, Genesis is sometimes referred to as the book of beginnings or the book of firsts. It records the first people, the first birth, the first sin. Um, we kind of have the first death and it's the first, the first, the first, the first. And as we look at uh, the book of Genesis, we see within it a precedent of what is to come in the rest of the Bible. We're also told in the New Testament that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are adopted into God's family. We are grafted into the vine. That's why we've got this uh, massive vine right at the back. We did that on the family um, service where we added our names to show that we are grafted into that family tree. And so we're looking today, if you're a follower of Jesus, at our ancestors and what we can learn from them. And today, uh, we, as Peter's already told us, and that was a brilliant video, introducing the twins to us. But before we think of these two bundles of joy, I, um, I want you to think of a time in your life when you've passed something up or you've let something go but afterwards, you've kind of lived to regret that decision. Okay, so it might be uh, perhaps a job you've turned down or an instrument that you stopped playing and afterwards you think, oh, I wish I kept that up. Or perhaps you passed up a holiday because you needed to work. Uh, you kind of made that decision at the time but afterwards you regretted it. Or perhaps it's as simple as visiting someone that you wish you'd have visited, but afterwards um, you but you didn't, and afterwards you wish you had. And the truth is we all live with regrets. Um, Some of them are minor, and it doesn't really matter, but some are mammoth, and we kind of carry that in life. One thing uh, we don't want to do, though, is pass up or let go of the blessings that God has for us as his children. When we choose Jesus, we are born again, We know this. Uh, We get a new status as a son or a daughter of the King of Kings, the Lord of the universe. Ephesians tells us that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly realms. And daily, millions of people pray that prayer, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven to see those blessings, God's rule over everything, come here on earth. Um, And we don't uh, see the fullness of the blessings yet, but they are ours in Christ Jesus. They are our inheritance. And that inheritance, we're told, is guaranteed when we choose to follow Jesus and we receive the Spirit of God into our lives. So today, we're going to look at Esau and Jacob. We've had a little intro to them. And we're hopefully going to take a warning from Esau and an encouragement from Jacob. 
So the question we're going to think about today is how to hang on to the promises of God. How to hang on to the promises of God. Now, if you've been filling in your family tree at the beginning of your first week's homework, you'll have something like this. I'm sorry, it's very tiny. I do apologize for that. But uh, these are the names that you should have filled in by now. So we've got uh, the great, great granddad, Terra, who came from, do you remember Noah had Ham, Sham, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Sham. This is Shem's line. And um, then it goes down and we've been filling, filling in people like Lot. You can see him over there. He's the cousin of Abraham he sets off with. And he has two children with his daughters, uh, Moab, who becomes the Moabites, and obviously Ben, Ami, and he becomes the Ammonites. See? Any familiar names there? And then uh, today we're getting down to Rebecca, who marries Isaac, the uh, child of Abraham and Sarah. He's got three lovely wives there. And we get Esau and Jacob. Esau leads on to the Edomites. Ring any bells? Yeah, some people are nodding. Most famous Edomite, of course, was King Herod, who killed all the babies to try and destroy Jesus. Remember that? But you didn't know that, did you? That was my most exciting bit of information, actually, when I was uh, preparing this. <laughs> okay, so let's read. Um, it's chapter 25, and it's verse 19 to 34, and we're going to look at this family. We're going to do it in two parts. So first of all, we're just going to read 19 to 24. Has anyone got a page number? 26. Thank you. So right at the beginning, 26. You can follow along, and this might be helpful, or you can listen. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Armenian from Paddan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed for the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the elder will serve the younger. Okay, so that's our first, first little bit. And the two things we're going to think about today is the first one, when the going gets tough, the tough go to God. That's your first point. And your second point is, we think long term. That what, um, what God has for us is better than anything we can immediately grasp hold of on our own. Okay? I'll just give you time to write those down. So what do we know about this family? Well, if you've been doing your homework, you will know that Abraham was called out of Ur. He's called by God. He's given blessings, both material and spiritual. We know the main thing was about descendants, as many as the stars, but he couldn't have children. And 
it took 25 years. 25 years before he and Sarah had a baby. I wonder if you've ever experienced that sort of waiting. You've prayed and prayed and you've held on to God's goodness and you've waited, but it's still not here. Ever noticed God's timing is not like ours? Abraham waited 25 years. Joseph waited 20 years to be reconciled. Moses waited 40 years before he could help free the people. Um, Israel embarked on a journey that took 40 years that should have taken 11. David waited 22 years before he was actually got the crown after he was anointed king. They waited 400 years for a Messiah to come. God's timing is nothing like ours. And I don't know about you, but I find it incredibly frustrating and annoying. (laughs) But there's more, isn't there? Even after we get to see, even if we do get to see in this life that his purposes are good and we receive them, it's not always easy. Now, remember, we don't always get to see it, but God will do what he says. His purposes are good, and he sustains us along the way. Our God, our job is to trust his promises. So here we've got Isaac. He's popped up. He's now the head of the family. Abraham has passed on. The promised blessings have passed to him. There's still no baby. What is wrong with this? What is the whole promise? The whole promise is going to be, oh, you're going to have so many descendants. Point number one, no baby, 25 years. Point number two, no baby. Ishmael, oh no, he's doing fine. They've got 12 sons already, thank you very much. But Isaac and Rebecca, no. Why is it that at every point on our journey with God, there seems to be a difficulty, a stumbling block, a messing up? You pray for a job. You believe that God has one for you. But every interview, you mess it up. Or you don't get it. And you don't know why. You prayed for a partner so much. Or a baby or a home or reconciliation or fruit in your life. Maybe to be more gentle or self-controlled. It's a long time coming. And -and so-and-so over there, they didn't even bother to pray. And they're all fine, thank you very much. (laughs) Try being Abraham and Isaac. Try being any of the other great men and women of faith in the Bible. They certainly never got it on a plate. Ever. You know, God often wants to leave us with no doubt that it is from him. He wants to grow our faith. He wants to stretch us. And that is painful. Stretching, that is not an easy thing. If Isaac hadn't prayed for Rebecca to become pregnant, he might have just forgot about God's promise, that God's in control. Just as Abraham was invited to pray and trust God, so Isaac is invited to do the same. Promised blessings can never be accomplished by human effort. God wants us to partner with him 
Not by doing, but by acknowledging our need of him. So let me give you an example. So a few years ago, I uh, really noticed that I had an issue with anger. And uh, people probably know this because I was incredibly good, I thought, at masking it anyway. Probably people go, no, Louise, you weren't. (laughs) But I knew it was an issue and I tried so hard and I'd try breathing exercises and I'd be in a meeting and I'd be, I will be calm, I will be peaceful in this meeting. But I became completely irrational. All I could think of was, I'm so angry, I just want to... You know, I don't want to even say what I wanted to do at that point. But eventually I had to admit, not just to God and myself, but to others, I've got an issue here and I need help. And as my house group began to pray for me, as my prayer partner began to pray for me, we got stuck in with it. And one day I just noticed, I just thought, do you know I just feel really calm in this meeting? And normally I'd be really cross by now and be ready to like, well, I won't even say it. God had done a work in me by his spirit. It's not about us trying really hard. It's about us acknowledging that we need God and partnering with him to say, please change me. Please change the situation in my life. Please give me the ability here to sustain me in this difficult place. And many of us here might still be waiting for stuff. I know I am still waiting for stuff. But God will sustain us on the journey. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years. Isaac and Becky, they waited 20 years. And when it did happen, we saw on the video what happened. It says the baby jostled. Jostled. Jostled? Doesn't sound too bad, does it? The word that's used in the Hebrew is the same word that's used when they smash skulls in war. So here you are. Yes, yes, I'm pregnant. I want to die. This is what it was like for her. Unbelievable. What the heck is going on? Is this baby even going to survive? Can you imagine the stress, the anxiety, the nerves, the, the place that she's in? Isn't that true that when we get answers, we maybe know it's God's path for us, but it's not easy. God continues to stretch us. Why is that? I don't know about you, but sometimes I'd like a little less pulling around, thank you very much. I would just like a nice bit of peace and quiet. I don't know, perhaps you prayed for a home, and when you get it, you discover it's got foundational problems. You're like, what? We waited five years. We saw this amazing answer to prayer. God provided the money, and here we are. We're in, and the house is falling down. What is going on? I don't know, maybe you prayed to be married for years and years, and Lord, you have provided my perfect spouse, but now you just fight. Like, what is going on? Like, this is supposed to be God's answer. Stretching and stretching and stretching. And I don't know about you, I don't like it. Maybe you got a job. You thought, yes, the Lord's provided. And it's so hard. And the people fight and they bicker and it's a horrible office to be a part of. Perhaps you've moved to a certain place. Because you knew God wanted you there. But now you're like, why the heck am I here? This is awful. 
We often have those moments, don't we, when we're confused, we ask, why, why is this happening to me? And that's exactly what Rebecca says. She says, why is this happening to me? Or why am I this way? This is not how it's meant to be. I did the stretching. No, there's more to come. And uh, so Rebecca seeks God. And God doesn't always give us an answer. That's important. But here he does. And it's a good reason. And what an answer it is. There's two in there. It's like, oh, it makes a bit more sense. (laughs) There's two in there. There's two. But the promise she gets with that is more trouble. Even when they're out, they're going to fight. Can you imagine the prayer life of these parents with two boys that hate each other? Now, you might have siblings that have, you know, fought a little bit. Maybe they don't particularly like each other. But this is going to be full-on war. It's not exactly what they were picturing when they were praying for the beautiful, sweet little child. No, these are going to be... But Isaac and Rebecca, they keep going to God for answers. It's years, and when they see the answers... There's trouble. They have more to pray about. There's more stretching. Following God certainly never excuses us from difficulties. That's where we fall down. We think, oh, it should be fine. I'm following Jesus. No, no. That's not how it works. We're in a broken world where things are broken and don't work how they should. But we have God, the power of God, in us, the help of God. We can go to God to sustain us, not around it, through it. Through it. So the first point we got to, when the going gets tough, the tough, or seemingly tough, go to God. Go to God. Okay, point number two. Let's read the next bit, 25 to 34. Or it might be 24, actually. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they called him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, "'Quick, let me have some of that red stew.'" I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Okay. 
So here, as we saw in the video, there's two very different boys. Jacob uh, comes is Jacob. It comes from this Akub, which means heel catcher or supplanter, but it can also mean God will protect. So it's not a bad name. You know, it wasn't like they just named him a really horrible name. You know, they kind of thought, oh, you know, that means God will protect, but he also was holding, oh, yeah, that works. That kind of is nice, isn't it? And Esau, it means rough, and Edom means red. So that kind of fit for him as well. It's like one's named for character, one's named for how they look. That's nice, isn't it? And then we've got this incident coming. Okay, we've got two characters. One's wild and one's peaceful. One's wild, one's peaceful. Uh, the wild one's always out there. It says, um, you know, that Isaac has a taste for game or he has a taste for him. They get on really well. So he's always out there, man's man. And Jacob, you know, it says he stayed, um, he liked to be home, doesn't it? Where is it? Uh, he liked to stay home among the tents. And um, that doesn't necessarily mean that he was like hanging out with the women, okay? Because some people say that, don't they? They're like, oh, you know, he's a bit of a mama's boy. But it can also mean, you know, like you're shepherding. If you're shepherding sheep, your tent moves around and he kind of, he stays near the tents and he just kind of manages the shepherds and he checks that's okay. So he's like looking after the business and Jacob's like, I'm going to go out and kill something today. <laughs> so there we've got our two boys. Okay. And Jacob was cooking. Now look at that in verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking. Now what you don't see here is that in the Hebrew, this is a play on words. It doesn't say he was cooking, okay? It says, Jacob cooked up. Jacob cooked up. Okay, what are they doing here? He's cooked up a plan. That's exactly what they mean. That's what the Hebrew says. He cooked up. He was cooking up a plan. This wasn't like, oh, you've just wandered in and, oh, you want some soup? Yeah. Can I have your birthright? No. He has been planning this for some time. Oh, yes, he's ready. He's ready on this moment. It is planned. He has, he didn't need to plan it. God would have sorted it out. It led to endless complications. Splitting the family. He has to leave the family. He has to leave the place. He has a fight with his brother. His brother wants to kill him. It's a nightmare what happens as a result of him cooking up this plan. But nevertheless, he does cook it up. See, Esau's not the only impatient brother here, is he? Okay, so let's look specifically at Esau here. Verse 29, Esau came in. Okay. He came in famished. That word can mean exhausted or ready to faint. And I think there's a really good lesson here for us. We know this, don't we? When we're tired... When we're exhausted, when we're hungry, we're not very nice people. But also, it's a terrible time to make a decision. We're often rash at that point, aren't we? If you're feeling under the weather, you make bad decisions. You need to wait. And he makes an almighty bad decision. He only thinks of the immediate. He says, what good is the birthright? Verse 32, what good is the birthright? And sometimes we can feel a bit like that, can't we? You know, what good is a house for me in heaven if I live in this one that leaks right now? You know, what good is no more crying or death in heaven if I sob myself to sleep every night? 
You know, what good is eternity with God in heaven if I'm lonely right now? We can get a bit like that, can't we? Waiting is tough. The stretching time is really tough. God never promises an easy life. Never. He promises a future and a hope and the ability to go through life. So waiting can be tough. Finally, he thought little of his responsibility. It says at the end, he despised his birthright. Now, when we look at this, we can think, ah, he despised the wealth? I don't think so. He wanted that. He despised the promises? I don't think so. Birthright was more than just uh, material blessings. It was spiritual blessings, but you also became the head of the family. You were responsible for everyone. You had to lead the family. You had to say, this is going to be our God. This is how we will live. This is where we will go. This is what we will do. It was all about family matters, not just religious ones. And for a bowl of lentils, he gave up what could have been us. He rushes in. He doesn't just say, give me some of that stew. The Hebrews actually stuff. Just give me some of that red stuff. He's so, oh, you can imagine him flying in like a whirlwind. And I don't believe at that point he really thought he'd lost the birthright at all. I think he just thought it was words. After all, he's the favorite, isn't he? He's the eldest son. How can he give a birthright away? You can't. He just, you are what you are, aren't you? So he makes this covenant with Jacob, probably thinking that will never happen. And we see that really obviously when later on Jacob again deceives his father. He deceives again and deceives his father with the hairy arms and all that business. And Esau weeps and begs for the blessing because he just thought he would get it. I don't think he really thought at that point he was going to lose it, but he did. In the New Testament, Paul warns the church not to use God's grace as an excuse for sin. We're going to sin, that, you know, let's just accept that. But don't use it as an excuse. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, sometimes we can continue. God's grace is immense. And Paul says the more we sin, the more grace increases. And I do think that's true. But he says, don't use it as an excuse. Don't use the excuse that your Father in heaven loves you, delights in you, showers you with blessings, has gone to the cross for you to say, if I do this, it will be okay. Because I think that's where Esau was. It doesn't really matter what I do because I'm the favorite. I'm the son. I'm the oldest. And we can get a bit like that. It is always worth waiting for God. His plans will exceed anything we ever even dream of. But we can let those plans go. We can just walk past them or reject them or leave them behind. With the blessing of being God's child comes the fact we are adopted in his family. 
We are a child of the king. We have authority. We have power. We have hope. We have love. We have security. We have joy. We have position. We have an inheritance. So stand tall. But it also, the privilege, like being the firstborn, comes with responsibility. We are ambassadors of Christ, as if he is making his appeal through us. We are blessed to be a blessing to others, not to make their lives a misery. And we are agents of the kingdom of God to bring about his will on earth. So, how do we hold on to those blessings? Well, we look fast when the going gets tough, the tough go to God. And secondly, we think long term. What God has for us is better than anything we can immediately grasp hold of or hold on to. In Philippians 2, we're given this example of Jesus himself. He says that Christ did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to. Okay? But he humbled himself and he became a servant. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place beyond anything we can ever even imagine. So, just to finish, let's go to him today. Let us declare again with fresh enthusiasm, Lord, change my heart. I want to hold on for all you have for me. It is hard, it is tough, I don't like the stretching, but Lord, give me what I need today to hold on to what you have for me. And if you've never taken today a step to follow Jesus, to become a child of God, to receive those blessings that he has for us more than you can ever imagine or hope for, but with responsibility, then this is also your chance now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me and you want the best for me. Right now I want to say I'm sorry when I doubt that. I'm sorry that I've shut you out of my life. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong knowingly and unknowingly. I thank you that you died for me on the cross so that I could be free from all sin and live under your blessing. Today, I choose to follow you, to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Please send your Holy Spirit to fill me and help me live for you. Amen. If you um, prayed that prayer today, I would love to just see you afterwards and give you